Fox Sports Radio. Well, as I've said many times before, sports are the greatest reality show invented. And you can script everything but the outcome. Just look at this year's NBA playoffs. And that's why this time of year is so much fun. On that note, welcome back to another award-winning edition of Straight Out of Vegas, the weekend adaptation. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Big show tonight. Tonight, I debunk the LeBron James theory that, well, this compressed season caused all these injuries heading into and during the NBA playoffs, which ruined everything. Well, hear me out. I don't believe it. I'm not buying it. And I'll make a good case. By the way, tomorrow, a 4th of July classic, Joey Chestnut defending his title. He's won six in a row, 13 of 14. And I've got some betting odds. Yeah, of course you can bet it. And I got some stats that uh, that might cause you to scratch your head. But this Joey Chestnut guy is quite a piece of work. And speaking of piece of work, how about this better in London? Can't make this stuff up. Bet $15 last week and turned it into $1.4 million. I'll explain how he did it. After uh, Brew and Finley's update, we'll talk about the latest stories swirling around Las Vegas. I might even defend Tua Tagovailoa with some interesting stats you probably weren't aware of. And I've got the actual scouting report on Aaron Rodgers and where he ranked among the 10 Jeopardy host wannabes in the quest to succeed Alex Trebek. And, of course, we close down the show with Mackinac Sports to stretch your mind and give you the kind of data you can only find right here on Straight Out of Vegas. Sports are entertainment, but they're more than that. They're a shared experience. As such, people want to talk about them. You've come to the right place. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. This is Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. And as they say in Chris Pratt, Minnesota, it's going to be lit. Well, look, I've been saying it for six weeks now. The NBA playoffs this year... I characterize them as the war of attrition. Last year, I joked about the bubble being the Hotel California playoffs. You can check in anytime you want, but you can never leave. This year, it was the war of attrition. And because of all the injuries, a lot of folks out there are saying, well, these finalists, the Suns and Bucks, well, they're not legit. It's a fugazi. Okay, I'm not buying that as well. First of all, And it goes back to there's a direct link between that statement and the fact that there have been injuries to 11 key players uh, of teams who made the playoffs. But can you really blame the injuries on the 11 stars of these teams who made the playoffs this year on the compressed season? What? What, LeBron, if they would have started like three weeks later, that would have made a difference? You had four months off last year. And by the way, if you started the season three weeks later, like you told them it should have done, what cost? What cost to the league? Remember, the players' union had to agree to this. They went along with it. Starting the season later would have meant a substantial financial hit. Maybe they've got amnesia. And by the way, how many of these injuries directly correlate to fatigue from a compressed season? So I compiled a little list. I thought we'd you know have a little fun with this tonight. So there were 10 All-Stars who did sustain injuries, and then Trey Young, who played like an all-star. Let's start with Trey Young. What was his injury? He stepped on a referee's foot. Was that because of fatigue and a compressed season? I don't think so. Sounds like bad luck. And uh, Trey Young was injured. It happens. 
Giannis, well, he got his foot tangled in a kind of an oddball pretzel situation. But by the way, when Giannis went down, the Hawks were eating their lunch. They were up 10 points. And by the way, in case you missed it, Giannis's team is in the finals. And, uh, oh, yeah, uh, Giannis was hurt. They won the last two games without him. How about Anthony Davis? Boy, we're going way back. Seems like it's been so long since the Lakers were in the playoffs. Well, he had a groin issue. Okay, but doesn't Anthony Davis have a long history of injuries in his career, even during all the other regular seasons that weren't compressed that started on time? Anthony Davis is a budding superstar and has one ring already. He's injured every year. How about our good friend James Harden? He had a hamstring injury. He's had hamstring injuries before. And let's not forget, he showed up out of shape in Houston, way overweight. He looked like Elvis at the end. And then he gamed his way out of Houston to get to Brooklyn, where he nursed a hamstring injury for about a month. And then, it, of course, it reared its ugly head during the playoffs. And Harden's been hurt before. It wasn't just this season. So far, I'm not fighting that compressed season fatigue theory just yet. Sorry, I'm just not. How about Kyrie Irving? He also got hurt. He came down going up for a rebound on Giannis's foot, rolled his ankle, and that to me appeared to be a bit of a completely random injury. These things happen in the NBA. Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell had a right ankle sprain at the end of the season. Was that because of fatigue? Prove it. How about Joel Embiid, a knee injury? He's had, Joel Embiid has had a history of injuries and knee issues. Mike Conley, Utah, missed a ton of time. Hamstring. Jalen Brown, Boston Celtics. He got hurt at the end of the season. He tore a ligament in his wrist, making a defensive play versus the OKC Thunder, and he just kind of landed awkward. Again, I, I don't know if I've seen one yet that, that qualifies for the fatigue factor in the compressed season. How about Chris Paul? Chris Paul, he not only had a COVID issue after, it's my understanding, he was even fully vaccinated, allegedly. He hurt his shoulder May 23rd versus the Lakers when he collided with Wesley Matthews because he was fighting for a rebound. Well, these things happen in NBA games. Was that because of fatigue? Was that because of a compressed season? Oh, oh, yeah, in case you missed it, Chris Paul, who who uh, who has never been to an NBA Finals in 16 years, is now in the NBA Finals. So some of these guys were hurt, and their team still managed to make it in. And uh, not for nothing, Phoenix actually won their first two games in their series versus the Clippers without Chris Paul. As a matter of fact, with Chris Paul in the lineup, they were he was they were two and two versus the Clippers and I know I, I Kawhi Leonard uh, I I don't know what his situation is uh, but the guy is a uh, a brilliant guy but he's an enigma and he pr- pretty much he, he trademark load management so I don't know that I could I don't know whatever the hell his injury was he managed to keep it a tremendous secret um, that you could really lay that on the on the heels of this compressed season. Sorry, LeBron, I just can't buy it. What I think I'd like to do, though, is tip my cap to these franchises. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, you probably heard Dan Byer on earlier with Arnie and Aaron. 
Dan's happy. Why shouldn't he be? The one thing I've always believed is every day in the world of sports, a new star is born. Uh, the year I interned at the Forum, or actually I interned at the Forum for three years, but I was there for Magic's rookie season. And uh, I'm sure people forgot that when they flew to Philadelphia game six and clinched it where Magic scored 42 points, played all three positions and jumped center, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar didn't even make the flight because he got hurt in game five. And the Lakers won without him. They closed the series out without him, I should say. But, you know, injuries are just a situation that are unavoidable. And frankly, many times they're random. But to imply that it was caused because of a compressed season and fatigue, I can't buy it. Again, when should they have started the season? Three weeks later, and the players would have left a lot of money on the table and the union had to agree to this. Uh the NBA Finals start Tuesday. The Phoenix Suns have been installed a minus 150 favorite to win the series as the Westgate has uh, you know, published those odds just minutes after the game ended tonight. And the Milwaukee Bucks with their plus 30 coming back the other way. Really interesting because the Phoenix Suns were, were tremendously huge underdogs uh, heading into the playoffs. Right before the playoffs, actually, they were 18-1. to 1. Earlier than that, they were 22-1. to 1 And even well before that, they were nearly 50 to 1. Bucks were 9 to 1 before the playoffs. The Hawks were 66 to 1, and the books breathed a sigh of relief tonight because once the Hawks lost, well, that was the last real liability. Uh, so there you have it. The NBA Finals, you know, again, two proud franchises. The Bucks do have a championship under their belt. Uh, they did win in 1971 when Kareem Abdul Jabbar was still Lou uh, uh, Alcindor. They did return to the finals in 1974, uh, and uh, they haven't been since. And to give that some perspective, Richard Nixon was president in 1974 in May, but he was impeached a few months later in August. Uh, they lost to the, the Bucks. Lost to a very good Boston Celtics team that year with a loaded roster. And two, just two seasons later, those same Boston Celtics beat the Phoenix Suns in an epic NBA Finals. And the Suns, among their players, Paul Westfall, Garherd, they had a backup guard by the name of Pat Riley. You may have heard of him. Now, the Suns also, of course, got back to the NBA Finals in 1993 with Charles Barkley and company, and they lost to Michael Jordan. So what we're going to have is a situation this year where we're either going to crown a brand-new champion that's never won or one that hasn't won in 50 years. Is that such a bad thing? I don't happen to think so. And I don't care what people think the TV ratings are going to be. I don't care whether or not you don't believe there are enough superstars to enjoy this or you think this championship's a fergazi. I will be watching, and I will be looking for the stories, and there will be some. That's the reality. These two teams are in their way there, whether people like it or not. And lots of other teams had the same opportunity. And you could say Phoenix maybe was lucky or fortunate. But guess what? They took advantage of it. There's an old saying in life, be at the right place at the right time. But there should be an addendum to that. Be at the right place at the right time and, oh, by the way, take advantage of it. Phoenix did. Milwaukee did. Don't hold it against them. I think this has the makings of a pretty fun, exciting, certainly competitive NBA Finals, regardless of who's on the floor. And think about the novelty. The NBA Finals are starting July 6th. And it's neatly tucked in between the end of the regular NBA season and taking us to this point where the finals begin to bump into the Olympics. If it goes seven games, 
the series won't end until July 22nd, and that would, uh, that would be actually the start before the Tokyo Olympics. We've never had the NBA Finals in July. We've never had NBA playoffs in July. I think it's a tremendous novelty. Usually this is the time of year people are complaining. People say this is slow sports month. You've got Major League Baseball, but you've got, you know, what people call the dog days. You have the all-star game. And then you've got NFL teams getting in their camps. Now you've got the NBA Finals. I think and I hope that the NBA takes advantage of this unique marketing and branding situation because we've never had NBA playoffs in January. But I know I'm repeating myself. Coming up, a July 4th classic, obviously, the hot dog eating contest now in its 25th year, Nathan's Joey Chestnut. Of course, the odds on favorite. I'm going to give his odds. I'm going to give some of the ways you can bet besides whether or not he's going to win. A little backstory there, maybe even a little humor. And uh, I've got to tell you about this guy in London. You talk about long shots. You talk about sweating it out. You talk about shooting BBs at the moon. And not one, but six needle in the haystack bets. But at the end of the day, this gentleman turned $15 into $1.4 million. You will not want to miss this story. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Before I get to the big event tomorrow, uh, July 4th, or I guess it's July 4th in a lot of the country right now, still 11:21 here in West Coast time. But, of course, the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest, a tradition for 25 years and the phenomenon that is Joey Chestnut, I've got to share with you another phenomenon because I have been around betting circles and I've lived in Las Vegas a long time. I've seen it all until until last week. There was a better in London who took $15 out of his pocket and turned it into $1.4 million. And you won't believe what it took to make it happen. And what he did, the first thing he did was bet what you call a six-leg parlay. So you need six results. You need six positive results to win this bet. You can go five and one, you lose your money. And every one of them were long shots. By the way, this six-leg parlay, and every one of these were huge underdogs. Because they were all huge underdogs, and when you do the math, it paid out at 91000 to one. So one of the bets was Victor Hovland to win the BMW International Open at plus 650. He had Steve Stricker to win the Bridgestone Senior Players Championship Tournament at 5-1. to one. Then he had Nellie Corda to win the KMPG Women's PGA Championship at 14-1. to one. Then he had two legs of England soccer fan parlay, Croatia plus 140 over Scotland and England over the Czech Republic in Euro 2020. But we're not done. So you had all five of those, and now it comes down to an event <laughs> I, I just can't believe this. It, it was a, it was another PGR. Uh, uh, check that. It was the Travelers Championship, another PGA golf tournament. So five legs of the parlay are in the bag. They'd already hit, and it came down to a gentleman named Harris English. He needed to win the Travelers Championship, and he was thirty-five to one. Even if he just won that bet, fifteen dollars would have been you know six hundred something like that, or or, or more. But Harris English was not a lock. In fact, 
on the 72nd hole just to earn a playoff spot, he needed to drain a 28-foot putt, and he did it. And he got into an eight-hole playoff with somebody named Kramer Hickok, and this became the longest playoff at a PGA event in 72 years before Harris English buried a 16-foot birdie putt to win the tournament, which ended at 1 a.m. London time Monday. $15, $1.4 million. You can't make it up. Whew. All right. Tomorrow, it's become an American tradition. And for whatever reason, I'm not quite sure why Joey Chestnut uh, doesn't get a little bit more run than he does. And it's, it's not that he does. And everybody knows who he is, Right. I mean, this is not a guy who can who confines his talents to merely winning the Nathan's hot dog eating contest. He has a bunch of world records. I, I don't have time to name them all. I'll give you some highlights. He once ate 47 ham sandwiches in 10 minutes. Check. He once ate 141 hard-boiled eggs in 8 minutes. Check. You like jalapeno poppers? Hang out with Joey Chestnut. He once downed 118 poppers in 10 minutes. That's old news. He did that back in 2006. You like Twinkies. Six minutes. Joey Chestnut, world record. 121 Twinkies in six minutes. Can't make this up. Back in 2007, another oldie but a goodie. Do you like chicken wings? He had 182 chicken wings in 30 minutes. What took you so long, man? 30 minutes. You're banging out eggs in eight minutes, 30 minutes, chicken wings, 182, 182. And you may have heard of crystal hamburgers are a big thing down south. They're just like White Castle. He ate 103 crystal burgers in eight minutes back in 2007. But I digress. I'll be here all night if I'm – I'm going to be here all night just about. But we'll, we'll talk about some other things, including let's get to Joey Chestnut, the man, the great American dynasty who basically put Kobayashi out of business. Joey Chestnut has won six Nathan's contests in a row. He's won 13 of the last 14. And if you want to bet Joey Chestnut, just to win $100, all you got to do is put up $5,000. Yeah, that's all you got to do. If you need the 100 that bad, well, I don't know if I can help you. Or you can take anybody else in the field, and that same $100 would bring back 1000 But why would you want to? Why would you want to get in the way of a speeding train? One of the other popular bets... Uh, and by the way, Arnie Spaniel pointed this out on his show with Aaron Torres. Joey Chestnut ate 75 hot dogs last year, which is the new record, world record for the for the contest. He ate 71 in 2019, and it's gradually increased. It's just incredible the evolution of this contest. Back in 1997, a guy named Hirofimu Kobayaki, I think his name was, he ate 24. That won the contest, and steadily it rose, rose, rose. I think the most Kobayashi ever ate was 54. That sounds like nothing now. So I am of the belief, I'm not betting it, but I'm of the belief that Joey Chestnut will go over the 73.5 hot dogs. And if you bet the over, you've got to lay 190. He's basically 2-1 to one that he's going to do it. But if you're feeling saucy and you don't think he's going to do it, you can get under 73.5 hot dogs. That same $100 will bring back 145. He's, he's plus 145. Want to have some more fun? The first minute. Will Joey Chestnut go over nine and a half hot dogs in the first minute? Yes, minus 250, which gives a very high probability, about 70%, that he's probably going to do it. And then, of course, another fun bet. Will there be a recount? 
Yes, plus 800. So this is an event now that's it's, it's, it's not a laughing stock. It's, it's actually really, it's frankly serious business. I know people probably look at it as some goofy exhibition. There's big money involved. There's a lot of worldwide recognition. And, you know, I really don't know if you call these guys athletes or not run and jump athletes. doesn't require a lot of great hand-eye coordination. But I also don't think this is something to mess with. Uh, I know that around the country, they'll th- you know, f- there will be similar type eating contests sponsored. There was a terrible story in Fresno in 2019. A gentleman by the name of Dana Hutchings, if my, my facts right, uh, passed away during a taco eating contest at a minor league baseball exhibition stunt of this nature. So, you know, this is serious business, and I, I know that people will take shots at it, but when you these people actually devote their lives to this. They train for it. They practice. Uh, they generate all kinds of revenue, all kinds of international attention. And, uh, you know, one lighthearted aspect of this for me, can't lie, this crossed my mind the other day, especially when I heard about Shikari Richardson, who has a 30-day suspension. She's an extremely talented Olympic sprinter, 21 years old, got her whole life ahead of her. But she, you know, was partaking in the uh, – in the uh, stickiest of the ickiest and and she traded or she uh, tested positive so she will not be running the 100 meters in the olympics and i've always wondered should they start testing for the hot dog eating contest because could you i mean i don't want to cast aspersions and of course i'm saying this tongue-in-cheek folks relax uh is it not inconceivable that, you know, maybe some of the competitors are sitting around, maybe not Joey because he's a, he's a machine, but, you know, maybe it's about noontime and uh, a lot of states this stuff's legal and, you know, you gather up a nice pile of the devil, the uh, devil's lettuce and roll yourself a nice big fatty and all of a sudden you're pretty damn hungry. Next thing you know, you're eating 75 hot dogs. Just saying. Just saying, okay? I kid because I care. Don't act like you won't be watching the hot dog eating contest tomorrow. You probably will. Hey, man, it's the 4th of July. Let's do it and celebrate our nation's independence. Coming up, I bet you're curious, or even if you're not, I'm going to tell you, how did Aaron Rodgers fare against his 10 other Jeopardy hosts in the competition to replace Alex Trebek? And by the way, for some reason, Tua Tagovailoa is bashed pretty good this week. I think I need to defend him because... He's out of the gate, maybe not as quick as some people think, but there's actually some data that points out that he's not doing as badly as you think he is. But first, well, let's go to the man. He likes to say, you only live once. But if you do it right, once is all you need. It's Brian Finley with the latest. Oh, thank you so much, Bernie. If only I knew how to live a life if I had one, if that made any sense. Let's get right into it. Injured Giannis Dentacumpo had a front row seat to the party, beating the Hawks as his Milwaukee Bucks did, 118-107 in Game 6 of the Eastern Conference Finals to spring to the NBA Finals. Chris Middleton, by bursting for 16 straight points in the third quarter, gave the Bucks the lead in one in which they would never relinquish. He finished with 32 points. Trey Young, who gave it a go despite not 
not exactly fully healed from the bone bruise in his right foot. 14 points for him, 0 for 6 from three-point range, 4 of 17 from the field. Now, Drew Holiday, Giannis's teammate, who had 27 points, 9 assists, and 9 rebounds afterwards, gave Middleton the game ball. Chris Carrot is, Chris Carrot is there for a lot of it. Um, just leaving his heart out there. Um, just kind of like if we're going to go down, we're going to go down in his shoulder. So I'm, I'm, I'm riding with him, uh, riding right into the finals. And those finals will begin in Phoenix against the Suns with Game 1 on Tuesday. In baseball, the Dodgers subdued the Nationals 5-3 as L.A. jets out to an eighth win in a row. The Astros diminished the Indians 3-2. Carlos Correa went yard. The Athletics upstaged the Red Sox 7-6 with a sack fly in the 12th inning being the decider as Boston ends an eight-game winning streak. In golf, Troy Merritt and Joaquin Neiman are parked atop the leaderboard at the PJ Tours Rocket Mortgage Classic in Detroit. Both are at 14 under overall heading into Sunday's final round. Merritt had a hole-in-one on the 11th hole on Saturday and those two will tee off in the last group on Sunday which is 2.05 Eastern p.m. of course as we send it back to our man from Vegas holding things down Bernie Fratto. The Silver Tongue Devil, Brian Finley. Those are the dulcet tones of Brian Finley. Thanks so much, Brian. Remember, Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of the places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. Well, in case you missed it, July 1st has come and gone, July 2nd, that is, and Aaron Rodgers did not opt out, as would have been his right as an NFL player, as part of the COVID protocol language in the NFL's bargaining agreement. And I'm of the opinion he's going to be back at quarterback, but we'll see. Look, it's something I'm going to talk about another day, as I have already, but what I want to focus on tonight is Aaron Rodgers, as you know, and actually, I didn't know if Jeopardy knew that Aaron Rodgers was moonlighting as a quarterback in the National Football League. But if you know, we know they listen to the show, so they'll know now. But as you may or may not know, Aaron Rodgers hosted ten Jeopardy shows between April fifth and April sixteenth, and Sporting News Magazine actually took the time to rank the top ten Jeopardy hosts since. The departure of Alex Trebek, God rest his soul. And it turns out, wait for it, Aaron Rodgers ranked fourth out of the ten contestants. Not bad. They even took the time to write a scouting report, which I found mildly interesting. Here's what they you know, here, here's what they uh, annotated as Aaron Rodgers' strengths. His strengths were preparation and enthusiasm. Rodgers was ready for the gig from the get-go just like he might study for a game as the NFL reigning MVP quarterback of the Packers. It was noticeable he watched a lot of what Trebek did, and he had plastered the lectern with tips to help him succeed. One could tell Rodgers had a blast hosting, and the contestants, they really fed off of that. Once they were comfortable, Rodgers' dry humor and personality shined through. Those were his weak, or check that, those were his strengths. What were Rodgers' weaknesses? Well, duh, lack of experience. 
Uh, they went on to say that Rogers looked like he has a bright future, maybe being on television, a la Michael Strahan or maybe Peyton Manning or some other notable ex-athletes who've gone on to pretty good television careers. But Rogers, quote, first such gig was a tough one, starting with his nerves and the competitive pressure he put on himself to be the best with Trebek in the back of his mind. But by the end of the second week, however, Rogers had found his real rhythm. Bottom line, Rogers' appearances revved up the attention on the show post-Trebek. As well as the ratings, he appealed to both the hardcore and the casual audiences. If he was the choice, making it work with his quarterback job or not, there would probably be more audience approval and excitement than disapproval. That is courtesy of the sporting news. All right. Tua Tagovailoa was bashed pretty good a couple of weeks ago when he threw five picks in a minicamp scrimmage. But I thought I'd like to take a minute to set the record straight about Tua because that's what we do on Straight Out of Vegas, all right? There's conjecture, there's personal feelings, and there are objective truths. We try to find, we try to find a happy medium with them. The Dolphins were minus 10 in net turnovers last year and last in the league in scoring margin in 2019, but fourth in net turnovers last year so two actually improved and in fact miami played more rookies than any other team in 2020 including Tua Tagovailoa, and three starting offensive linemen were among them so come on being a rookie coming off a major injury without the luxury of having a spring camp Tua did start slow but he finished his rookie season with a six and three record nine starts 11 touchdowns and five interceptions 88 passer rating, that's not a world beater. Average of 201, yard, 201 yards passing in those starts, in those nine starts. But that was, believe it or not, absolutely on par with rookie seasons of other quarterbacks who have become media darlings, and they've earned it. Guys like Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Matt Ryan, Kyler Murray. So I would not give up on Tua just yet. All right? And I, by the way, I would not give up on Rodgers just yet. There's not a doubt in my mind the Packers will not trade him calendar year 2021. There's no reason to. They would only get back draft picks, and draft picks aren't going to do them any good this year. So I think if, and the operative word is if, they trade Aaron Rodgers, it wouldn't be till the spring next year before the draft. I can't imagine Rodgers just simply not showing up, incurring all those fines, and knowing in the final two or three years of what's going to be a Hall of Fame career, he's going to do this to himself, his team, his city. He doesn't want that legacy. I just can't. I just can't buy that he's got the appetite or the stomach. And I, I realize I hear how obstinate he can be, and I hear what a grudge he can hold. But you know, it's like the old joke about the price of loyalty. I don't know what price you put on it, but I think twenty-three million is a good start, and that's what it'll cost him if he doesn't play this year. So, Rodgers, you know, I don't listen to a thing he says. You'll see him with playing golf against Brady this Tuesday. I, I liken Rodgers to a Woody Allen character now as it pertains to this particular saga. I'm a huge Woody Allen buff. I think I've seen 49 of the 50 movies he's, he's done. But, you know, Woody Allen, when he used to be in his own movies, he'd play these neurotic characters. And, and one of the characters Woody Allen played was in his very first movie, a movie called Bananas, in which he played a character by the name of Feeling Mellish, who was a journalist, an aspiring journalist who traveled down to San Salvador to cover this war. And while he was there, he makes the acquaintance of a young lady that he falls head over heels for. And he's doing his best to impress her with everything he can. And... As part of his act to impress her, 
He tells her that he's a world traveler. She goes, wow, that's really something. Have you ever been to Denmark? She says, of course I've been to Denmark. I've even been to the Vatican. She says, the Vatican? The Vatican's in Rome. He goes, I know that. I know the Vatican's in Rome. But they were doing so well, they opened one up in Denmark. That's Aaron Rodgers. Just kind of make it up as you go along, and we'll keep following. July 27th may come and go, and he may not be in camp the first day. I don't know what's going to happen, but I will be surprised. I'm on record as saying I'll be very surprised if he's not under center in September because he's got too much to lose. The Packers have got too much to lose. This is a team that's been knocking on the door of the Super Bowl two years in a row. And to throw it all away over a misunderstanding, that would be an incredible shame. Coming up, you know him, you love him, you can't live without him. It's Mackin' on Sports with the Kenzie Rivers. Well, guess what? We're going to talk about the bucks, the odds, and some observations. So keep it locked. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted. So don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, three-time Pro Bowler LeVar Arrington, and I couldn't be more excited to announce a new podcast called Up On Game. What is Up On Game, you ask? Along with my fellow Pro Bowler, TJ Hushmanzada, and Super Bowl champion, yep, that's right, Plexico Burris. You can only name a show with that type of talent on it. Up On Game. We're going to be sharing our real-life experiences loaded with teachable moments. Listen to Up On Game with me, LeVar Arrington, TJ Hushmanzada, and Plexico Burris on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, three-time Pro Bowler LeVar Arrington, and I couldn't be more excited to announce a new podcast called Up On Game. What is Up On Game, you ask? Along with my fellow Pro Bowler, TJ Hushmanzada, and Super Bowl champion, yep, that's right, Plexico Burris. You can only name a show with that type of talent on it. Up On Game. We're going to be sharing our real-life experiences loaded with teachable moments. Listen to Up On Game with me, LeVar Arrington, TJ Hushmanzada, and Plexico Burris on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. We're back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. And before I go any further, I want to thank my broadcast team back in Los Angeles. That would be Brian Finley, Chris Perfett, and Nick Battaglia. Turning all the dials, keeping us glued together. All right. You know, if you love McCanley without him, it's that time. Uh, Mackinac Sports with Mackenzie Rivers. And Mackenzie, I guess it's only fitting that the Suns and the Bucks make it to the NBA Finals. There's some symmetry here. Both teams entered the NBA in 1968 and only took the Bucks three years to win their first championship. It's taken the Suns. They've never won one. And the Bucks haven't won one in 50 years. And what's interesting, real quickly, just a little history. Back then, when both teams entered, they, they, they flipped a coin as to who would get the first pick overall. Well, the Bucks won the coin flip. They got a guy by the name of Lou Alcindor. The Suns, they got a guy by the name of Neil Walk. The rest is history. Be that as it may, the Suns are the favorite, minus 150 over the Bucks. What are your thoughts? Wow. 
50 years since uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was in the finals with these Bucks. It's 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 ironic because they're back. They made it 50 years later. Milwaukee is a is a blaze. I just had a friend come back from Milwaukee. She was saying you couldn't get out of the airport without without hearing go Bucks. Kareem's not there, Bernie. Kareem's not going to be there. It's at least not yet. Giannis, with his hyperextended knee, does not appear to be likely to play at least early in the series. We see that in the game one line. The Suns open up as a five and a half point favorite. These teams are probably close to even with Giannis. Giannis probably puts the Bucks even towards the favorite role if he is back, but he is not back right now. And that will be the big storyline going forward. What's interesting is when these two teams played each other this year the first two times, the Suns won the first game, 125-124. Giannis had 47 that night. And then when they they didn't play again for a couple of months, and this time the Bucks won in overtime, 128-127. I feel like they're fairly evenly matched. But somebody has got to emerge. I'm not confident that Giannis could play at all in the series. Now, I'm not predicting that, certainly not predicting that. But as I've said many times, a new star is born every day. Who emerges? Who perhaps makes a case to become the MVP if Giannis doesn't play? Let's center on that question because I think the odds tell us, the Vegas odds tell us a lot about that question. Will Giannis play at all? Well, we know the game one line is Suns minus five and a half. We can impute about a 70% chance to win that game. So if that was consistent, if we could assume, you know, giving home court for each team in every given game, what would be the series price if that was the series, if that was uh, what was expected going forward for all seven games? Well, if you do the math, the Suns would be about a minus 250, minus 280 favorite if we assume that game one line spoke to all seven games. So the question is if Giannis comes back, what, how many games would he need to play to take the Suns from a minus 280 favorite to a minus 150, minus 165 favorite? which is what they are right now. Turns out it's only game six and seven. If we assume Giannis is worth six points, we he would only need to play game six and game seven to make the Bucks back to being, a you know, the Suns only minus favored by 150. So if that's what the market is telling us, that says a lot about how difficult this will be for the Bucks. Drew Holiday, you know, I've been a big fan of his, you know, supporting him through the, through the rough times he's had in these playoffs. Chris Middleton has had by far his best playoff runs. You know, he's emerged kind of like a Paul George figure from having terrible year after terrible year in the playoffs to playing, you know, his best basketball of the season all the way late here in June, now July. So I'm not sure. I think um, Smooth, uh, the betting predators writer that that I love to hype up because I love reading his stuff. He had a great article. I check. Out, I would recommend you guys check out at bettingpredators.com, arguing for Devin Booker to take that spot. Chris Paul's going to have his hands full with Drew Holiday. That's for certain. I'm not sure. It's, you know, it's wide open. You know, plus money for any of these guys. What do you think? Who do you think will emerge as the as the storyline as the player defining these finals? Well, it depends who wins the series. And I got to tell you, I think it's going to be a hard fought series. Uh, Giannis went out Game Four in the series against the Hawks. And here's why that's significant. And go, by the way, if you go back and watch that play, the injury looks a lot more gruesome than mm, it no did. Doubt. It really does. But what happened since then? The Hawks were the Bucks won both games. So they're Easily, two and up. Yeah. They're two. They're, so the question is, the larger question is, can they win without Giannis? The A being the Milwaukee Bucks. Yes, they can. I don't right. know if they will. 
And back to Devin Booker, you know, the, the nation's been treated to Devin Booker these last four weeks, uh, but he's been doing it all year. As a matter of fact, that first matchup back on February 10th when the Suns beat the Bucks 125-124, Devin Booker was the leading scorer in that game. Uh, he had 30 points. And Chris Paul had 28. And, and of course, Giannis had the monster game of 47. So the real question becomes, if Giannis doesn't play, and because they're so secretive, just like the Clippers were with Kawhi, as if this gives you some sort of competitive advantage by being secretive, <laughs> I'm, of the, I'm of the belief that Giannis doesn't play just like Kawhi doesn't play. They just go day to day while everybody waits and watches. Then what happens then? And... Obviously, I think the Bucks are going to be very, very tough out on their home floor. It's a great sports city. They're just down the road from Green Bay. I remember when the Milwaukee Brewers had the great teams. Trust me, they're going to be a tough out. Fear the deer is real. Clandestine is never a good sign, I think, with these injuries. It seems like the more they have to hide, the less they have to offer as far as getting Giannis back out there on the court, unfortunately. You, I think you nailed it, Bernie. Can they win without Giannis? They answered it. They answered it today. They answered right. it Thursday. They dominated this Hawks team on all phases of the game. I mean, I know Trey Young was banged up, but that's a good Hawks team that they just dominated without Giannis. How much is he worth, really? You know, if he never missed a game and they kept, you know, killing every all these teams, it would be easy to say he's the best player in the NBA. He's worth so much, but Drew Holiday. Chris Middleton, very underrated. They're showing how, how much this team has beyond just Giannis Antetokounmpo. And they have a 45 40% chance to win the finals. That's pretty amazing without their best player. All right, good stuff, McKenzie. And let's not forget, Brooke Lopez really stepped up and impressed me these last two games. So they are, in fact, 2-0 without Giannis. We'll see what happens. The question, can the Bucks beat the Suns without Giannis? I say they can, but right now they're an underdog. All right, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Straight Out of Vegas. I'm Bernie Fratto. The next up, the man from Nashville. Wait, he's not in. Some guy named <laughs> Bernie Fratto is. Keep it locked.